Coffee Talk podcast. Hi, I'm April Morley. I'm co-founder of Genius Drive and the Enterprise Value Collective. And I'm Tom Pasello, the ROI guy. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and is sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive. Our mission, besides having a great cup of coffee every, every day, is to help accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. And to help us do that and excel at that practice, we've invited Alex Smith. Alex is the chief product officer and the co-founder of sales automation platform provider, Qvama. And Qvama recently conducted a survey on discovery that I absolutely love. And we're here to deep dive into those findings with Alex today. Alex Smith, welcome. Hey, great to see you both. Nice to be here. Excellent. Um, in today's environment, why do you think it's so important to get discovery elevated and performed correctly? Yeah, so that's a great question. I'm going to break it down. Actually, I think it's really worthwhile just touching on what do we mean by discovery to start mm -hmm. with. It's a, it's a very commonly used phrase, and especially in the sales environment, everyone knows discovery generally as asking questions, getting the information you need. But linking back to the, the research we did, one of the first questions we asked was, hey, salesperson, why do you do discovery? What are you looking to learn? So the first kind of interesting thing that we learned was that they called out three big things. Number mm -hmm. one, understanding the pain, the compelling pain that is going to cause this, this customer to buy. Number two, linking it to the metrics and the, you know, the business impact. And number three, ensuring fit. So mm -hmm. you know, I think that's, that's kind of a good analogy or a good kind of sum up of I think what we what we focus on at Kavama with with discovery it's you know there's other things you need to ask as well um but you asked there Tom why is it important mm -hmm. why is it actually important why is it important to elevate it so again I break that down into to three reasons why we're seeing it at the moment so number one it is the difference between winning or losing a deal so in the in the sales environment especially in today's b2b market nobody's buying anything unless you can unless there's a clear link between that solution and a burning a critical pain that the executive has to address mm -hmm. so as part of discovery your sales team they have to uncover that burning pain uncover the the impact the value impact of that pain and how it connects to the business objectives and then of course connect your solution to that and if you can't do a better job of that and a better job of connecting your solution to that than the, the competition, the alternative, you are not going to win that deal. So number one, it makes the difference between winning or losing. Mm -hmm. Second thing I'd, just, I'd jump in with is speed. So discovery is absolutely the difference between winning or losing fast or slowly. Mm -hmm. Because the worst loss, and every salesperson knows this, the worst loss they can have is that loss that takes 12 months, it drags on, it drags on, and it sucks up endless amounts of sales team resource. Those are terrible. Fundamentally, because you haven't discovered the burning, compelling reason for change, the compelling event. And then the third element of discovering why it's so important, again, right now, is in customer success mm -hmm. and retention. Every mm -hmm. B2B SaaS company is struggling with renewals right now. We see stats right now about NRRs are really dropping. 
So good discovery means that you're selling the right solution. You've got good fit. A good fit customer means that they are much more likely to be successful and, and continue. And you know what? Discovery isn't just for the sales cycle. It's also for your customer success manager because they have to continually do discovery, make sure that they understand how the customer is using the solution, what outcomes they're achieving, what else do they need to do next? Because again, that drives renewal and expansion. So discovery is so important you know, for a B2B SaaS company, a B2B company in the market right today. Wow, so it's a really compelling uh, perspective. It's about win or lose, speed and retention. So I think you've really made the case for why this is really important. How do you think sellers are performing in this area? So again, super interesting. We, our anecdotal information before we did the research was, uh, was we see the level of, of competence or the level of execution being quite low. But, but what was interesting as we really dived into the research was why. We uncovered that the vast majority of salespeople, they understand that discovery is really important. Mm -hmm. And they understood what they're trying to get. So, so where's the disconnect? You know, why are they then not executing properly? And what we found is it's a gap in terms of their enablement. So there is, there's loads of methodologies. There's loads of books. You've got a book on the shelf behind you, Tom. I've got books on my shelf. There's loads of books and methodologies that teach salespeople why discovery is so important. The, the number one methodology that came up as we did our research was some variation on med pick or medic, mm -hmm. especially for larger deals. And all of the salespeople, they know why they should get the information and they know what the acronym, they know what the letters stand for. But the gap is in that ability to execute. The mm -hmm. gap is an, ena an enablement gap when it comes to having that conversation, you know, in the sales cycle. Yeah. And buyers are definitely confirming that that gap exists and they too want better discovery. They want that alignment, right? Um, when it comes to MedPick, these other methodologies, as you indicate, they kind of, when they get that training, they understand why discovery is important. They're given a map of exactly the information that needs to be collected, the motivation for change kind of metrics, the alignment metrics, the process metrics, and, and the information that needs to be filled in. And many Salesforce instances now require you to put that information in before the deal moves to the next stage. So they've got this kind of stick hanging over them that says, go and get the information. So where are sellers precisely struggling with their discovery? Like where did they indicate was the biggest shortfall on these enablement skills that are preventing them from moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I love the idea that some people might think that having the fields in Salesforce means that it will happen mm -hmm. it's, you know it's it's kind of mind-boggling when you think of it like that so so yeah as part of the research we we drilled into this exact issue hey what are the things that you struggle with most that you recognize are important but are really painful for you mm -hmm. the number one item was getting the connection with the customer in fact 85 percent of the salespeople we spoke to said that they struggle to get the customer to engage, to open up, to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. And again, there's, there's multiple reasons for that. Yet yeah, you can be in a sales cycle where it's your one of five and that prospect, the customer has discovery fatigue because you're asking the same questions. 
There can be other reasons what, like the, you know, the prospect is just a little bit closed off. It's, hey, why should I answer your questions yet? What have you, how can you prove that it's worth me going into conversation with you? So that, that was top. Mm-hmm. Second in the list of problems they struggled with was going a step beyond pain and challenges and uncovering the impact mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. outcome. Um, 78% of salespeople said they struggled with that. Again, there's there's different reasons for that. Sometimes, in fact, what we heard a lot was, hey, you know what? The prospect doesn't know. The prospect doesn't know what metrics are being impacted. Um, now, of course, wouldn't it be amazing if the salesperson could then bring thought leadership help teach the prospect? Um, a lot of the time, again, it's a confidence issue. If you can't get the prospect to open up in the conversation, how are you going to ask them about these things? Sometimes it's also a behavior from the salesperson perspective. They, you know, we've all done it. We're, we're excited about the solution that we have to sell. We hear a problem and we think, oh, I can solve that problem. I'm going to rush the demo. So there's multiple different things. The, the, there, were, there were various other things that came up, but the last, uh, the, third, the third one that I want to kind of touch on now that was, was a pain for the salesperson was it's fundamentally kind of getting the difference between a problem and a critical problem, a burning problem you have to solve. Mm. There's a skill to that. We, we all in our personal lives, we, we complain about things. Oh, I've got a sore knee. Do I do anything about it? No, only when it becomes a critical problem, when, only when it stops me doing something. So again, 72% of salespeople said that they struggled to actually get to that compelling pain that is actually going to cause a change. The pain that maybe connects to the business objective, the one that, well, you have to solve that because otherwise somebody's going to get fired. So there were some really kind of kind of key gaps that came up. And across all of it, the interesting thing that came up was that salespeople said that they're having these problems and they're not using internal sales enablement materials. Mm-hmm. So over, I think it was 81% of the salespeople said that they are doing discovery with their own materials, their own things that they've built, they've got from a colleague, they're not using the standard sales enablement materials. So there was a clear gap there and it's manifesting itself in you know that ability to have that conversation, to actually go out and do the discovery. Yeah, so just throwing, as you said, Alex, throwing a set of questions at a seller um, isn't going, that's not enable, that's not discovery enablement, right? Um, it's, you got to go beyond that because you've got to give them that ability to feel comfortable asking the questions, the prompts that will get them the right to ask those questions. So the customer feels like they can engage. So there, this was spoken about a lot in the challenger method where you've got to come in with teaching content, research, insights and do prompt-based discovery, which Gartner talks about a lot now, and get the customer to open up by sharing knowledge, sharing insights, sharing experiences and stories, and not putting a spotlight on them and having them feel like a French fry under the interrogation light for the fourth or fifth time from a vendor, right? Um, So that's number one. Number two, I think peeling the onion can be difficult for sellers to do. And we have to, again, give them the fuel to be able to know what that next layer of content is like. And again, I think prompting is a big deal there. And then 
you know, finally on that last element of being able to talk less and listen more and kind of get the buyer to open up, I think there are definitely some skills that we have to get the seller to slow down during the discovery process. They're in such a rush to solution all of the time, yet there are techniques. One of them that we like to teach is called mirroring, where you've got to slow the conversation way down. Don't jump to the next question or the next solution. Confirm with the buyer that you heard very clearly what they said and ask them through exact mirroring and parroting back what they said, repeat back the answer. Did I get that right? If not, clarify. Or if I did, tell me more. Don't be so eager to jump to the next step in the medic question list or to worse, jump to solutioning, which we see so many sellers do. Completely agree. Completely agree. The, um, one of the things that we recommend to a lot of um, the companies we work with is you are so much more likely to get engagement by putting something up for people to react. Again, it's the whole again, leading with the point of view, teaching. But it does not have to be spot on. It doesn't have to be 100% correct. <laughs> you will drive a reaction. The audience is much more likely to engage and correct you. It has to be credible. It has mm -hmm. to be credible. It has to be in the ballpark. But, but if you lead with that point of view, they will engage in order to adjust and correct. And that's you're getting the conversation going. You're bringing something to that conversation to, to, you know, to help drive it forward. Yeah, absolutely. I've always said that, Alex, like uh, people don't always like to answer your questions, but they definitely like to tell you when you're wrong. And so they get really excited to tell you how to fix what you've uh, mistakenly put in front of them. So I uh, totally agree. Um, you had talked a little bit more about the impact and outcomes and how challenging it is for sellers to get to, into um you know, the potential that a customer could achieve. Could you talk more about the dimensions of discovery around value and where we're seeing mm -hmm. the biggest gaps? Yeah, so that, I think that gap in engagement, that, that, that engagement gap, which means that the salespeople, salesperson struggles to, to, to do good discovery. How does that manifest itself? How does it manifest itself specifically in terms of kind of value selling, which is a topic which is close to our hearts. Um, so number one, we see really commonly, it manifests itself in the form of a salesperson uncovering some of those business problems and then rushing straight on. Okay, we've, we've all seen that that is still really common. They know, they know they should ask those other things, but excitement takes over or pressure takes over and they were straight to a demo. Um, so they, they have not asked the simple question, and how is that impacting your business? Mm -hmm. Number two, I think the other example of how it manifests itself is the salesman skips discovery and jumps straight to the numbers and a return on investment business case proposal. So what they've really done is shared a, an outside-in generic business case or value case. It, and when you do that, it's really your product's business case, your product's value story, not the customer's value story. And again, we've all seen this. It results in something that the customer just doesn't believe the numbers. They don't. It, it can be a great way to kick off and drive the engagement, but you cannot. It's not a substitute for a two-way conversation. I think the, 
the other the other big way that or the other big manifestation of this gap and the the, the problem it causes is then that connection through to customer success you know if the salesperson doesn't do good discovery in the sales cycle you can have the best customer success team in the world but it's hard for them to recover from the situation you're you're passing them the ball and they're about to be tackled or you you know if you hand them over simply what did the customer buy you hand them over a product based relationship 9 times out of 10 that's going to continue they're going to continue to just talk about product and features and function in the ongoing customer relationship so there you have that big impact so that discovery you know has a real impact on the ability to for customer success to do any kind of value realization yeah alex in what you're saying what came through to me loud and clear something that we've been preaching for a while in that it's the pain and the severity of that pain that motivates the entire relationship with the customer and the ability to uncover that the ability to align outcomes to solving those pains and the ability for customer success to reiterate how they've solved that. And as you said, if you jump too quickly to the solution of how to solve whatever the top level pain is without truly understanding the impacts of that, the cost of doing nothing, the motivation isn't there. If you throw a generic business case up, the outcomes aren't aligned to the pains. And so that's not there. And then if you go into customer success with kind of that product focus again, what did this solution solve? Here's all the features. Here's even some of the detailed KPI impacts. But ultimately, what did it help us to overcome from a business perspective compared to the cost of doing nothing? What did we actually gain remains an open question. And therein lies the renewal gap. When it comes to fixing this, um, Talk about some of the suggestions that you have. I know we've got a pretty strong point of view on some of the elements, but talk about the elements that you're seeing, Alex, of how do we solve this discovery gap? Yeah, so we've, we've, um, we've hit on a few of these already in the, in the conversation. So we would say, number one, by far, is enable the rep to, to lead with that point of view, to, to start mm -hmm. with a, look, this is what we've seen with other customers, or this is what we've seen with a customer just like you. That is, it brings value to the, to the buyer. They want mm -hmm. to understand how they compare, how they benchmark. It absolutely helps them, and it gets that conversation flowing. So that is a clear, you know, strong recommendation to lead with that hypothesis or point of view. I think the second, second strong recommendation, which is focused on enabling the rep to have that conversation about Hey, and how is that impacting your business? What metrics or KPIs are impacted? Mm -hmm. Is you need to help the rep with kind of the credibility and confidence to go into that. Mm -hmm. Can be nerve-wracking. Mm -hmm. Can it be a little bit scary? So you you help them get over that by by again giving them a framework so they know in advance. They know in advance. I'm going to talk to this industry. I'm talking to this persona in this industry. Mm -hmm. They've said they're interested in solving business problem A and business problem B, or they have these problems. Therefore, I know in advance what I'm likely to hear when mm -hmm. I ask the question. Salespeople much prefer to ask a question where they are pretty sure they already know what the answer is. It's just, we all, we all naturally kind of prefer that. So, mm -hmm. so having that framework mapped out, that value proposition mapped out, really important. And of course, you've got to then, you know, 
enable the salesperson to to use that live. It's no mm. good if it's if it's hidden in a intranet site and impossible to get to for them to get hold of. The third the third key thing that came up a lot is salespeople love customer stories. Prospects love customer mm. stories. So I've kind of weaved that into both of the other points, but um there is a you know one of the ways that you help your salespeople sell is by solving part of the customer success problem of capturing the customer stories because those have a massive impact to go back to sales. Mm-hmm. So there really is a there's a kind of a positive loop of by salespeople doing better discovery, it means customer success can deliver happier customers and capture more stories, and those can flow back through. And those have a huge impact on the salespeople being able to prepare for that call to lead with a point of view being able to lead with a point of view on the metrics that are likely impacted and the size of the impact and adding value. It means that they can feel more confident about adding value, which gets that customer to engage, gets the conversation flowing. So those would be our our top three tips for, for really enabling the salespeople. Love it, Alex. The emotional connection around the pain and the issues that they're having and have a point of view to prompt that. The metrics so that you can get to the logical buy button in the buyer's brain and then ultimately the customer success stories to get to the trust and it goes back to what i wrote in frugalomic survival guide you know the the pathos logos and ethos and uh being able to trigger that reptilian emotional brain the frontal lobes the neocortex and the logical brain and then ultimately the middle brain the limbic system and the trust and we really have to do a much better job of enablement and activation, I think, is part of what you're talking about, like not being hidden in a guide, but being right there as an interactive that they can use with customers to guide this whole process and make sure that they're supported and guided the whole way. I think that's key. Yeah, the, the format of some of that information is so important because every every B2B company has a selection of customer case studies. But mm-hmm. when when it's a four-page PDF and it's hidden away something, wait, actually, you can end up in the situation where you, the salesperson thinks they are adding value and sharing it with their customer. All they're doing is spamming their customer. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not relevant and yeah. accessible to the customer, then it's just, it's just spam. It's just information you're sending at them that doesn't help them. So, so making it easy to pick out the element of a customer story and have it in a consumable fashion is is really important it's not just about creating more and more of a library of those pdf agree it's not just sending that here's an industry let me send the five case studies we have in there whether they're relevant or not to that particular persona or the business pains they have i think that's really important alex this has been so insightful, Alex. Uh, if you were to leave one piece of advice with the Enterprise Value Collective with, what would it be? So, uh, how to prioritize one? I think there are there are a few mistakes that um, we see. I've seen companies make, and uh, so as a as a couple, maybe a couple of bits of advice as to hey, don't make these same mistakes. Um, I think number one is you can't throw people at the problem to have them solve it for the sales team. So there have been trends over the years of, uh, you know, building out big business value teams. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I love a business value team. I've I've been there and I've done that. But 
you can't do it for the salesperson. They still have to own that customer relationship. So I think there is a, I think that's a mistake people have made in the past. And I think there's a real trend at the moment towards focusing on enablement instead. The, I think the, the, other, the other big mistake I would make, which we've touched on today, or not I would make, the mistake I'd pick out and say that you <laughs> shouldn't make, we've touched on today is just, again, thinking about the, the training, thinking about how you enable people. So, you know, the standard sales methodology training, sales training in general, can focus too much on why, too much on the mindset. If you don't have that and execution, then you won't get the behavioral change. You won't get the adoption that you're looking for from your salespeople. So I'll leave it with those two points. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Alex, on the Value Coffee Talk podcast. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Please sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective. Do so on LinkedIn or on GeniusDrive.com website if you haven't done so yet. That'll let you stay in touch with us on the latest events, tools, research, insights. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing together. Thank you.